You may be wondering, what does complexity and simplicity have to do with the sales process and closing deals? Stick around, because it's something you definitely want to find out. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios. And this is an important conversation. This isn't what I would call an asbestos underwear conversation where somebody's butt's going to get scorched. This is more of like, this is a problem that I see in sales all the time. This is a problem that I see with uh, salespeople, presentations, sales managers, and business owners. And I want to start by giving you the title of this episode, that a simple sales pitch destroys complexity. And there's this guy named Dr. Flint McLaughlin. He works for a company called Mech Labs. And Mech Labs goes through and and does all sorts of testing and variability information on advertising and marketing. And that that persuasion is simplicity comes from the guy who runs the organization. And so anytime that I'm going to go give a presentation, I, I just before I start, I just remind myself, persuasion is simplicity, persuasion is simplicity, persuasion is simplicity. And I think about that a lot. Now, in copywriting, which is salesmanship and print, top copywriters will tell you to target people at the fifth or the sixth grade level, preferably around the fifth. And I'm going to say for you, the thing to think about is how could you think of your sales process and give it at the fifth or the sixth grade level, or to give it another way of saying it. If you only had three to four sentences to give your presentation, what would you say? And you may think like, why, why would I want to do that? And I'm not saying that's what you do. I'm saying if you have the power to summarize lots of data into simple sound bites, it makes things easy for people. And so one of the easiest things that you can do to do this is to watch the news. And, you know, especially when they interview somebody, what you want to watch for is the person who gives a simple answer versus the person who gives a complex answer. And it doesn't matter which news station you watch. It doesn't matter really what what side of the spectrum you are or if you're here in the United States. But watch the way that people answer. The best answers are short and punchy. The ones that are not are the ones that are long and drawn out and they wander through the woods. Okay, And you're going to know exactly what that is to, to watch. So I'm going to give you a story. Uh, recently, I was in Austin, Texas for an event. And I paid for this event. I was looking forward to it. And 99% of this event was fantastic. I loved it. I loved the content. I loved the speakers. I loved the people that were there. But on the last day, there was a person that got up on stage and wanted to prove how clever he was and wanted to prove how awesome that he knew and had an understanding of the language of what he was teaching. And so this guy got on stage and pontificated and asked questions and drove around in circles for 30 freaking minutes. I got a headache. Like, I I got lost. I got to the point where I just got frustrated. I closed my laptop because I was taking notes on my laptop. And then I just said, you know what? I got to get out of this room. It feels stuffy. It feels, I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm mad. I'm angry. 
And so I go to the bathroom and I walk around for a few minutes. I come back and the guy's still on stage talking. There's a dude sitting next to me. I'm like, hey, can you sum this up for me in three sentences? And he gives me three sentences. And I go, thank goodness. The guy on stage could have done this in three sentences or left, but he wanted to prove how smart that he was. He wanted to be clever with his information, and he lost. There's about 150 people in this room. He lost about 120 of them. Very rarely do I complain. Very rarely. But I went to the people who put the event on and said, that's the worst presentation I've seen in a long time. And they said, we're sorry, Scott. And I said, hey, look, I'm not mad at the, the presentation, but if I can give some feedback, that dude could have summed up everything in three sentences. So, you know, if you think about how you interact, you think about a story or a joke, there's always an intro, there's always a, a climb up, there's always a climax, and then there's always some sort of a resolution. And so people who tell good jokes and keep you engaged, they usually got a really good introduction. They can, they can spell out the climb up to the climax. They can, they can present the climax, and then they can present the resolution. And you probably have a, really, a, a good friend that's really good at telling jokes. And they can, they can milk the joke for all it's worth. But they also understand there's timing. So you can't take 30 minutes to tell a 45-second joke. The setup takes too long for the punchline to be there. It's something you learn in comedy. The same thing happens with your presentation. This matters to your buyers. Now, I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to say I have screwed up on this. I have caused problems and I have caused issues because I've tried to be the guy that's been too funny, too cute, too complex, and I lost deals. I did. And I've left a lot of money on the, on the table over my lifetime and I figure, hey, look, I've ridden with enough salespeople, I've watched enough sales presentations to tell you that salespeople do this. Business owners do this. Sales managers do this. So the juice has to be worth the squeeze. So why does this matter to your presentation? And why do you have to talk in sound bites? And why do you not want to just over talk to fill up time? Because it's boring. It's not interesting. And the type of buyer that you're going to attract uh, by making this mistakes are going to be some of the worst buyers that you have. Now, granted, there's going to be some people who take pity and they're like, I'll just buy from you because like, I need it. And I really don't want to have to go through this process again. But opportunistic people are always looking for opportunities. And I want you to really think about that. Opportunistic people are always looking for opportunities. And that's not the person that you want to sell to because they will fleece you. They will finesse you out of money. They will finesse you out of deals. And you'll, you, you won't know it hit you. And it's very frustrating to have it happen. I've had it happen. I've had, I've had times where I have closed deals that I shouldn't have because I was being too cute, because I thought I was being funny. And the person was like, yeah, Scott, just keep talking. Keep talking. I'm just going to keep taking things from you, and it's not going to be good. So I want to give you some examples. I want to give you some examples as a salesperson. I'm also going to give some examples as a manager or a business owner. And when we talk about simplicity, like how do you introduce your your product, your service, or even yourself? You know, I've got something to share with you. I've got something to go over with you. My name is Scott. Now, I have a master's in business administration, but I don't walk up and go, hey, my name is Scott Sylvan Bell, MBA. No, that's too complex. It's just, it feels weird. The, the people who do that could do it and get away with it are doctors, but there's also a time and place for that. Next up is going to be your questions. Are your questions easy to understand or are they complex? 
You know, are they short and to the point or do you wander through the woods? And there's times where salespeople just think that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and they ask these overly complex questions. And there's times where I ride with salespeople and I get lost. I'm like, what are, what are you asking? What are you asking? People can go too complex in the rapport process. You know, oh, you like football? I like football. You like soccer? I like fo- soccer. You like shoes? I like shoes. And when you're just talking to talk instead of, of getting to a point, it can cause you problems. Your presentation. You know, your job as a salesperson, your job as a persuader is to take the complex and distill it down and to make it really easy for somebody to bite into and gather information. Now, as you're talking to people and people ask you questions, they can be as complex as they want because they're not on the same operating program as you and they got the money and they're buying. So your answers really should be short and to the punch. And if you don't understand what somebody's asking, ask them for clarification. And this was something that took me a long time to get used to. I've made a lot of mistakes in sales and I've left a lot of freaking money on the table. So I'd rather say to you, hey, look, uh, sales guy, hey, sales girl, this, this is a big mistake. Your answers, if you don't know what they're asking, ask for more clarification. But you should know after enough time in your industry about what needs to be answered for the answer to be sufficient to close the deal. With that being said, your follow-up needs to be on point as well. So when I do a follow-up with anybody, it's always an update or it's always something like breaking news. I model it after the news. And so I look for ways to follow up with people, but keep it short and to the point. Make it easy. Send them a DocuSign. Just have them say yes or have them say no. Like the more hoops you make somebody jump through, the less of a chance you have you have of any process going through. And I'm going to share with you, uh, social psychologists do studies all the time at every university. They send out university students to go do all sorts of studies. Uh, I could think of like Robert Saldini has done this. Um, Dr. Knowles, he retired from University of Arkansas. He's done this. Jay Lynn has done this. I mean, there's tons of people who do it, but they they look for people and they look for compliance. And they found that the more simple something is, the easier it is to get somebody to comply. And at the end of the day, you are in the compliance business. Compliance meaning somebody complies, they take an action, they buy what you have to offer. Okay. So that's for the salespeople. Now let's talk about management. And let's talk about ownership. Anything complex is going to destroy the sales process. So sometimes this happens inevitably. Company calls me and says, Scott, my sales team's struggling. I'm like, okay, let's do a diagnostic. Tell me what you've done. Put me on the phone with your sales manager. So they put me on the phone with the sales manager or the business owner, whoever it just happens to be over the division, if it's a large company or the owner, if it's a small company. And, uh, you know, they've they've got a complicated sales process. They paid somebody to come in and teach this process. And because they paid somebody a a pile of money, they got to teach the process. And so they get caught up in it. You know, they get caught up in in covering their back end. So they got these sales guys and these sales girls out there giving a complex sales process. And then it's not just that the sales process is complex. The, The show is complex. The way that they have to describe things are complex and they, they, they go overboard and they give way too much. And 
you know, if you can predict what's going to happen, it's boring. This is why like magic has had to evolve over the last 150 years. If you look at what was considered magical 150 years ago, it was basic sleight of hands. People were amazed by it. But you know, you, we got the internet and technology and now you've got flame and smoke and, you know, misdirection. You know, if somebody were to pop into the world today from 150 years ago, they would be amazed. If you were to have to go back 150 years and watch magic tricks, you would be bored. You wouldn't be able to get away with it, okay? Complicated uh, complicated data to make the sale. So I know of a guy who has been a friend for a while. He's been doing sales, and he calls me a month ago, and he's like, Scott, I'm working for this company, and the way that I got to input data is just cumbersome. It It's frustrating. I get anxiety sitting with buyers and I'm like, go find someone else to sell to for. There's plenty of companies. There's lots of opportunities out there. You're good at what you do. Go get a job somewhere else. And he's like, but I like the company. I said, but if everything's complex, what are you doing? It's making it more complex. It's making it more difficult for you to sell. So like if you're a manager, if you're a business owner, is what you're doing making it easy for the salesperson to sell or are you covering some back end because somebody in the office got upset seven years ago on a Wednesday on a full moon and they don't like salespeople. With that being said, there's complicated CRMs, complicated customer relationship management data points. And so here is what you've got to take away from this. If you are a business owner or a manager, that if you have a complex process that the person has to go through to close a deal, there shouldn't be anxiety about closing a deal or getting paperwork done, except for the natural stuff that happens. The more difficult that it is and the more problems that the salesperson has to close the deal, the less of a chance that they're going to close it. Take all that friction away from them. Take all those problems uh, uh, that they're having and and say, hey, look, we don't, we don't have to do this anymore. So if, if simplicity is persuasion, what do you do? Okay. You look for places where people are very elegant at answering tough questions. You watch the news. You you read uh, magazines where they've had interviews and then they've got the transcripts. And you look for people who can describe something in three, maybe five sentences. And you practice this way. So I, I have a, I'm a big fan that you have two sales presentations. And this is for a very good reason. You have your maximum sales presentation, which is the one that you have to give for somebody who needs to hear everything. And you have your minimum sales presentation for the person who's like, look, I already know what I need. I already know what I want. I just need the bare minimum to make this happen, to feel good about a conversation so that I can buy. And over time, you develop the instinct and the skills to know which person that you're meeting with. It's not something that you have right out of the bat. And I know that some people say, hey, Scott, you know what? I don't necessarily know that I need to do that. Okay. You know what? Fine. But I'm going to challenge you anyway to think, take a look at whatever you're doing and say, hey, look, could I answer this question in three to five sentences? Could I answer it in one? Could I answer it with a yes or a no? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate. But at the end of the day, could you squeeze everything you need to into a very short, easy easy to follow process. Now, I want to introduce you to a concept of something you can find online or you can find it like I've got a Windows computer because I don't understand Apple. I just don't. Okay. I've been on Windows since 
since the computer started for me in the in the late eighties. But Apple, yeah, in Windows, just go go to Uncle Google. Type in Fletch Kincaid scale. It's F L E S C H Kincaid K I N C A I D, and uh, it'll tell you what grade you're talking to and what grade you're you're reading at. And you don't even have to do this the hard way. You can go to otter.ai or rev.com and have your presentation transcribed. Okay. And then what you do is you cut out anything that would be an answer from the client and you take your presentation and you drop it into Otter and then you take it from Otter and then you go online to like, I think it's uh, fkscore.com. Just Google it. You, you can find it here. You know what? As, as I'm talking and I'm looking at my notes, I will look it up. I'm going to fill some time right here. F flesh Kincaid grade level. And readable.com will do it for you. Readability formulas will do it. Uh, WebFX. I mean, like Flush Kincaid Calculator. Google, Google Calculators even has a process for this. So you can look it up in multiple places, and it doesn't cost you anything, but you can look at your sales presentation and say, what grade level am I talking to? Am I using complex words? Am I using things more than three syllables? And like sometimes when somebody asks me a question in my brain, I'm clapping my hands for the words I got to say. Complex. Okay, that's two syllables. Uh, Readability. Okay, that's four or five syllables. I I know that I don't want to use that big of a word. And simplify what you're doing with your buyers. Simplify what you're making your salespeople do, and you will close extra deals. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.